Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, and I'm founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, senior pastor of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alumni, which means we spend a lot of time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 3, Choosing to Listen Rather Than Fix. They Stood Still looking sad. Mm -hmm. So Ruth, where are we in the Emmaus Road story? Well, these two disciples have chosen to walk together in a very hard place, which was a radical choice. And as they're walking and talking, Jesus comes near and they choose to welcome him into the conversation. And so Jesus enters into the conversation by saying, what are you talking about as you walk along the road? And they struggle because what they're going through is so deep, they struggle to actually put it into words. And so when they can't put it into words, they stand there looking sad. That's all they can do. And I bet you've had experiences like that where there were no words to capture the sadness that you feel at your felt. And I've had those experiences too. And where in fact, trying to put things into words would actually be a violation of how deep the sadness and the pain goes. And so Jesus does the most masterful thing here. He doesn't rush into the space and force anything. He just is with them feeling sad. And I love that. He stands there with them feeling sad, or at least letting them have their feelings of sadness without trying to fix them at all. And so they stand there for a bit, and I'm sure it was kind of awkward as they all stood there looking sad without words. And then Cleopas, the one named disciple, actually gets a little frustrated with Jesus. And that's where he says, are you the only one, you know, who does not know what happened in Jerusalem in these days? And he talks about Jesus and talks about their dashed hopes. But this particular place on the road, I think Jesus models for us what it means to be spiritual companions for one another on the road between the now and the not yet. Because there are times when all we can do for each other is just enter into the sadness and be in the sadness together. And that's what Jesus does so masterfully. And to give that person space to try to find the words, but not rush in and try to put words on it, but just be there and be patient and be in that emotion together and wait until they can come up with words to share with you. And so it's a beautiful thing. And the fact that Jesus was able to wait and willing to wait, because think about it, Jesus knew exactly what had happened. <laughs> so he was actually playing dumb yeah. in this story, which yeah. I love. Why is he playing dumb? Well, because he knows that there's something really valuable for them to be able to tell their story, to feel their feelings, to work, to find the words, and then to actually have the words stated and that patience is required. So I think it's a beautiful place where Jesus actually models for us what spiritual companionship looks like. And because he does that, because he's restrained and disciplined in the way he interacts with them, they are able to finally find some words and to describe what it is that's taken place, but also how they're feeling about it. So they describe the facts about the fact that Jesus had been killed and crucified, but then they also express the fact that their hopes have been dashed. But yes. we had hoped that he was the one. We had hoped that he was the Messiah, the one who would deliver us. But we had hoped. Those are the most poignant, pregnant words. We had hoped. And now we don't have hope. Yeah, it's such a finality. It's all gone away. And it's There's, gone. Yes, it's done. Yes. And... Because Jesus waited, they got to not only say the facts, but they got to the real feelings underneath and how devastating this really was for them. Um, it reminds me of the story of Job when Job loses it all. And then his friends come and they sit for seven days and they say nothing, mm -hmm. which is the greatest mm -hmm. thing they do. 
Yeah. And then and then they make all the mistakes. They do. And they open their mouths. <laughs> yeah, they make they all do. mistakes. Which doesn't mean you never say anything, but it does remind me that when people have gone through something really sad, mm-hmm. um, we don't need to fill that space. But sometimes it's really helpful to say, hey, talk about mm-hmm. and then name the person right. that mm-hmm. died. Yeah. Hey, tell me, tell me about mm-hmm. Sally. Right. David. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we can go there, you know. Um, but the temptation is to uh, not say right. anything because right. they're not going to talk about mm-hmm. it. Right? Yeah. And and, and to um, be awkward in the silence to, you know, yeah. to let it be an awkward silence. I think Jesus was very comfortable, which gave them the space they needed to, to find their words. And I think that's beautiful. And again, see how this ties back to our own personal practice. We're becoming more and more comfortable being in solitude and silence with our own unfixable stuff, which means that then I can bring that comfort level into my conversation with you when it's your stuff that's really uncomfortable and appears to be unfixable. Thank you for Mm -hmm. continually bringing that Mm -hmm. back because it's all connected. It's It's how we become this kind of person, I guess, is my point. You might be wondering, how do I become this kind of person that can walk with people this way? Well, you you become this kind of person because of the way you're walking with your own stuff. Yeah. You know. So good. So we touched on this uh, in episode one. But... In this one, we're in this episode. We're going to get really to the structure mm-hmm. of what does it mean to sit within one another and listen. But first of all, uh, we've all been in conversations where we just are thinking about our next thing that we're mm-hmm. going to say, yeah, versus really listening. Uh, talk about how do we really listen? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think we're not trained in good listening skills in our culture, so I think this is actually a big deal, and yeah. I think it's a place where we could actually get some training and actually practice. So let's. Pretend that that's what we're doing. So we're when we are with someone in a spiritual way, and we want to invite the presence of Jesus, we want to invite what's truest in them to come out. First of all, we don't interrupt. While they're talking, we don't interrupt, and we don't use that time to plan what we're going to say next, which that by itself, by the way, will slow down the conversation, because it means that if I'm fully listening to you while you're talking, it means I'm going to have to take a minute after you talk to actually gather my, my thoughts to say something back. So it actually has the function of slowing down the conversation a little bit. So we are fully present to what that person is saying, not trying to craft what we're going to say next. Um, I think that we can also refrain from using the kind of phraseologies that sound evaluative. Oh, that's really terrible. Mm. That must be awful. Mm. That's really good. Um, but instead to let them, if there is going to be any anything about how it is or how it feels, we're going to let them offer it so we're not you know, making evaluative statements about aspects of their story because they might feel differently than we do. They might not think it was terrible. They might not think it was good. And so when we put our own evaluations on it, we keep them from telling us what it feels like for them. Yes. Um, We think we're being helpful. We do. But we're not. But we're not because it shuts down the truth that they might have brought out to us if we had let them do so. Um, we need to wait on the spirit for what the spirit wants to reveal through what's being said rather than rush in with our own interpretation. And I think that's really important to listen to the spirit within as opposed to just rushing in with advice or um, fixing kinds of statements that that just shuts down real spiritual companionship because spiritual companionship by definition has to do with the Holy Spirit. You know, it has to do with creating space for the Holy Spirit rather than just my own ideas and fixing this kind of listening 
ask good questions that draw the person out. So rather than responding with statements and evaluations and advice and things like that, we might choose to ask a question that continues to draw them out. And I think that that's what Jesus, that's exactly what Jesus does on the Emmaus Road. What are you talking about as uh, as you walk along? So questions that we can ask that are of a spiritual companioning nature, you know, what was that like for you? How did you experience God or not in that uh, thing that you just went went through? What happens when you talk to God about that? What happens when you pray about that? Isn't that a lovely question? Mm. Now, what's so funny about that question is that sometimes I've asked it and the person hasn't actually ever prayed about it. Right. And that's the shocking realization for a Christian person is to realize, wow, this thing has been huge in my life and in my heart and in my experience, and I have not prayed about it yet. Mm. I have not... Uh, asked and invited Jesus in to this experience. What questions does this experience raise for you? You know, and then let them talk. Another question I think can be really wonderful when you're walking a long journey with somebody is, uh, how does it feel today? You know, what's your journey like today? I just read that yeah. in terms of, especially when dealing with people with grief. Who are grieving deaths, yes. You, you, you ask today. Yeah, what's it like today? Where are you at today? And I think people feel so relieved to not have to describe the whole journey. Um, Or sometimes when people just ask how you're doing, I think there's a natural temptation, like how you're doing in general, there's the natural temptation to want to make it seem like you're doing better than you are. But if it's just today, well, today it's really hard. Today I've cried three times. You know, today I really miss this person when, and just keep it right there. You know, so that's a great companioning question. Um, You want to encourage people towards a mature faith. In other words, you want to encourage people to rely on God and to lean into God in the midst of what they're going through um, and to trust God's presence for them. So any any kind of interaction that that encourages them to continue to to walk with God in the midst of what they're doing rather than just to rely on you. Um, And then, you know, you want to also, as the moment is right, maybe ask questions that help them to focus on a larger perspective. What do you think God's up to in this? Hmm. You know, that is a question that's really rich. Yeah. Um, so how are, how do you feel God changing you in and through this experience? What's, what's been shifting and changing in you as a result of going through this? I mean, that just, you know, it, it opens us up to a bigger perspective. So someone who's really grieving can also perhaps affirm the presence of God with them. Like I'm experiencing God in ways I've never experienced hmm. him before. So even though this time is so grievous, you, when you ask me the question, what do you think God's up to? Well, I think God's drawing me closer to himself because I'm feeling more intimate with God than I ever have, even though I am walking through this time of deep grief. Or I don't, I feel God's, you know, God is totally absent. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. feeling God right. at all. Yeah. And that's, that's a great that's, answer. That's exactly right. About that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And even the fact that the listener could say, could, could not, um, like react in a negative way. Right. But but just receive that as yeah. though it's normal and it's okay yeah. and normalize it a little mm-hmm. bit. Even that can be healing. Oh, you know, yeah. other people have gone mm-hmm. through things like that. I'm not falling off the spiritual path. It just feels really good to be able to say that and to know I'm not alone in that experience, you know? You know, all these questions too, the thing that's going on in my mind is it can reveal. Like when you say, how is your prayer with, with, with God in that? Or, or what do you think God th- mm-hmm. it, it It reveals mm-hmm. how you think. Yeah. Because someone may say, you know, it. I'm kind of realizing that I don't think God's very involved at all yeah. in any mm-hmm. of this. Right. And maybe I need to rethink mm-hmm. that. 
Yeah. We, and then you say, okay, well, yeah, let's yeah. You know, let's talk about that. Right. Right. It just it 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 allows the content to be driven by the person, not right. you. Well, and it is a, and it and it and it is turning into a deeply spiritual conversation yeah. as well. Um, not not spiritual in terms of platitudes and trite phrases but, or spiritualizing or spiritualizing but now this person's you know dropping down to a deeper level of attentiveness and maybe even discovers questions that are now important for them like if i say so what happens when you pray about that and they say i haven't yeah. i haven't prayed about that and then whoa you know a spiritual opening just happened yeah. where now they say and i want to yeah. i realize i want to go and talk to god about this that i haven't i'm not done that yet well then you've opened up a whole you know a whole yeah. leg of the journey for them yeah um this is really it, it it's interesting because as you're listening to the person mm -hmm. You're also having to listen to That's God, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's how do you cultivate both of those ears, so mm -hmm. to speak? And this is now spiritual direction, really. Right. But how do you cultivate that just in in listening? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, the pace. You know, when you're in a deeply spiritual conversation, hopefully you're not in a hurry. Right. You know, and so you can be fully present to that person. You know, I, I want to. I'll go back to Julian of Norwich's quote that we talked about last time, which is. First, I look at God, which means that I'm locating this conversation in God. So I'm aware that you and I are in God together right now. So first, I look at God, remind myself of who I am and who we are and yep. where we are. Yep. Then I look at you, which means that's the part of the conversation when I'm listening to you, fully present. And then I look at God again. So so even a bit of silence or slowing down in between the listening and the responding can be really helpful because then you can use that little bit of a pause to pay attention, to turn your own attention back to God and to wonder, you know, where, where's the Holy Spirit in this? Is the Holy Spirit uh, leading me in any way relative to this conversation? And sometimes the, the sitting in silence together is just absolutely fabulous and ministers deeply to both people. The person who has shared finds that what they've shared has been reverenced mm -hmm. with silence. And then the person who listened is, you know, saved and preserved from doing stupid things, <laughs> stupid humanly driven things <laughs> in conversation. And maybe the Holy Spirit very gently says, you know what? No words needed right now. Just yeah. be with this person. That's what they need. Um, or there's some word that comes that is, is particularly appropriate. And you realize, well, that didn't even come from me. That came from listening to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. conversations like that are very different than what we usually get to engage in. You know, it occurs to me too, walking. Like mm -hmm. the, the actual physical walking and yeah. talking and listening for some of us really helps. Mm -hmm. I, I know yes. I, my wife, Mary, and I have learned if we really want to talk mm -hmm. we're and if we can, we're much better walking. Yeah. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm much better walking. Yeah. I don't know what it is about moving mm -hmm. and thinking, but I, but I think better uh, when I move. So I, so I think um, even that can mm -hmm. be just this little lesson. Right. But I was on a walk with my friend Steve. And he was asking me some good, he's a great question mm -hmm. asker. And he was hearing me talk about some hard things that mm -hmm. I was, you know, going through. And he goes, can I ask you a question? Uh, he was like, you've been asking me 15 mm -hmm. questions. Like, do you want to yeah. ask me the 16th? Uh, he goes, I never hear you talk about spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, even saying that phrase mm -hmm. brings Gives up Gives you the willies, I know. Stuff. Yep, like, absolutely. Like, yes. all, you know, it's like mm -hmm. everything's spiritual warfare yeah. and everything is right. so that's mm -hmm. spiritualizing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So let's just put that caveat. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. looking at the mic mm -hmm. right now. Um, that can be weird. Yeah. And it can mm -hmm. be weird. Yes, it can. But 
what my friend Steve was saying was, I've noticed that's never mm -hmm. a part of your conversation. Yeah. I've never heard you talk about it. And we talk a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was what I actually mm -hmm. needed to just consider. Yeah. Like, I didn't go to the place mm -hmm. where now I have no responsibility right. and every right. evil thing that happens mm -hmm. is There's someone a devil else's behind fault. every bush. And, I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't go there. Right. But I did. I did need to go there a little bit mm -hmm. to confront something yeah. that I that I then could confront, mm -hmm. um, and it was it was really helpful. So I think there's a um, because he is a good listener, and because he took the risk yeah. of listening to my. Mm -hmm. and I really was talking about some heavy things and some dark things, and you know, just that. I mean, we talk about that stuff. We right. we, we have that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. But that he took the risk of right of making what he did was make he made an observation yeah and that's another I think category of questions that that can be really helpful is to just be curious about something together you know because that's what he was doing he was curious about something that he has he had observed and it wasn't evaluative it wasn't judgmental or anything like that but it was just you know hey I'm curious and wondering about it together being curious together is another really great way to enter into some good questions. I totally agree. Take again, it's light, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's not like you never. Yeah, I know, and no, you should. Just, yeah, you should. Yeah, it's just hey, I've you know, yeah. what's no, I've just noticed this. Huh. Yeah, let's be huh. curious together. Okay. So, um, from time to time, I'll ask questions about leaders because mm -hmm. leaders listen to your podcast. Yeah. Not everyone that listens yeah. is a leader, but some some are, and we use a lot of words. Mm -hmm. Leaders do, and some of that is because. We're just in a lot of environments where we need to. How does a leader in particular cultivate listening more? Or are there any things that are different than what you have already said? Well, leaders might have a little bit more temptation to rushing in with words just because so much of their vocational identity is wrapped up in the way that they use words and the way they use spiritual content, the way they use scripture, the way they use prayer. That's a part of their vocation that's kind of official. And and it matters. Being good at that stuff matters. Yeah. So um, I think that's part of it. If too much of our identity is wrapped up in how we use those things, then we're going to be very tempted to rush in with those those tools all the time. The other thing is that leaders, whether you're a pastor or any other kind of leader, is sort of wired to fix things. Yeah. I mean, that's just part of the wiring. <laughs> and so knowing that can be really helpful because that means that when we feel that juice of got to fix this, you know, that's what it means to be a leader is to fix it. Um, that when we feel that, we can actually choose if, if we want to, to set it aside and to say, yeah, that's part of who I am, but that's not what I'm using right now. That's not what we're doing right now. That's not what this person is asking of me right now. Okay. Or that's not what would help right now. Can I pause that? Because yes. mm -hmm. you just opened up a beautiful understanding for leaders that mm -hmm. we have a toolbox mm -hmm. at our disposal. Yeah. And we, we're, it's not always a hammer. Mm -hmm. Like we don't mm -hmm. always use the hammer. Yeah. We actually have a repertoire mm -hmm. of tools that we can use based on this, based on mm -hmm. the situation that we find yeah. ourselves in. And so I, I just feel like that's a, mm -hmm. that's a beautiful um, explosion of mm -hmm. ideas. Can you go a little bit more into that? Well, um, hmm. I think that this kind of listening and being with can actually become one of the options yes. in our in our toolbox, if you want. This is kind of a masculine. <laughs> That's kind of a masculine. I'm trying to like embrace this hammer <laughs> wrench. I'm like, oh. Steve, really, I don't usually think about it that way, but I'm trying to stay with you. Oh, oh my God. How about? I don't know what else to say. No, 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 no. Don't even try. Don't try. You're going to get in trouble. 
<laughs> Things were intercepting yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's an option. Yeah, and I think that we open up more possibilities, you know, yeah. within ourselves to realize that it's not just all that leader stuff that we're being asked to bring to bear on someone's situation. And in fact, sometimes it can actually get in the way of this kind of an experience that they had on the Emmaus Road, which is why it's so beautiful that Jesus played dumb was because he actually set aside all that he knew and all he could have done, at least for a little while. So when they said, when they said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't, are you the only one who doesn't know what took place these days? Jesus actually plays dumb a second time. And he says, what things? Yeah. Total play dumb. Yeah. Why is he doing that? Because he knows that there'd be more benefit to these folks if they could tell their story in their own words with their own emotions, if there was enough space for them to talk about how it had impacted them, what questions it was raising in their lives, that, that they needed that right then more than they needed him to come in and interpret the situation flawlessly, even though he could have done that. And even though he eventually does, he eventually does go to the place of offering them perspective, which we'll talk about probably in the next episode. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So let's get a little mm -hmm. practical again. Yeah. Um, I want to create groups, spiritual direction mm -hmm. groups at my church. Or I want to experience, I want to create this kind of an experience for people. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's more broad. Yes. Well, and then we could say that group spiritual direction that's is one, one of, of the ways that we yeah. do that. It's not the only way. I want to say that. There's more I, tools in the toolbox. There are. Yes, there, there are. There are. I'm going to think of another metaphor for you. I promise I you. Have I have one. Am. I you do? Have okay. One, okay. But, but you're not going to offer it. No, you're not. I have, I have not welcomed you, have I? I have not welcomed the stranger into my life. Oh, oh it's really good that you stopped. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm trying to help you nine. be your best self. Episode nine will bring it yes, up. Yes, okay. So all right. All the way okay. Episode nine. Yeah. So we're thinking, you know, we want to have this kind of an experience and make it available to people in our in our churches and communities. And just learning about these different ways of listening and being in conversation will start to do that really naturally. But you can also structure some groups towards this and call it group spiritual direction. And group spiritual direction is a highly structured way of being together. Um, and the structure is to help us live into our desire and our intention to allow the Holy Spirit to be our director. Really, yeah. that's what we're doing. Okay. So the structure is is simple, but it's um, uh, it's real. Let's just yeah. put it that yeah. way. Um, so we begin with silence, and that's where we focus on the fact that we are in God. First, I look at God. So a, it could be a group of four. I think a group of four to five is the ultimate, the um, the optimal size for a group, so that each person gets enough time to participate. Um, so that first silence opens us towards God. And then the first person will present. Now, that's kind of a formal word, but really it just means share. That if this is a group that's coming together for spiritual purposes, they bring something from their life that they want to pay attention to or a question for discernment that they're sitting with in their lives. And so they might take, you know, five to seven to ten minutes to present this aspect of their life that they either want to pay more attention to or this question for discernment that they have. And the group just listens. No one speaks. No one else speaks. They, they have this full five to seven to 10 minutes, however much time that you want to allot, where they can just talk about what it is that they're bringing to the presence of the spiritual group. Then, then it starts to get kind of radical because after that person shares, we don't talk. Right. After that person shares, we actually go into silence. And depending on, again, on how much time you have, um, it could be just 60 seconds. That's not quite enough. I would say up to five minutes, at least three to five minutes. And what we're doing, what the group is doing in that silence is actually listening, being present to God on that person's behalf, that intercessory prayer stance that we talked about, mm -hmm. you know, in the last season. And so when we're in that um, place of being in, in God's presence on that person's behalf, we might ask, you know, Holy Spirit, what, what 
as your prayer for this yeah. person as they have shared in this part of their life. Um, is there anything that I need to set aside within myself in order to be fully present to this person? So that's about projection yeah. because human beings do that. Human beings do projection. So um, is there a way in which it corresponds to my own experience and my temptation is to make it about me? Yeah. Set that aside. Um, do I feel jealous that this good thing is happening to that person? Set that aside. Am I feeling very much like I want to help or fix this person because I'm so uncomfortable with the level of emotion that they're sharing? Set that aside. So that question, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to set aside? What can I set aside in order to be fully present to this person? That question right there is what makes a person safer in a group. Yeah. Um, and then the Holy Spirit is very faithful to show us, you know, what needs to be set aside in order to be fully present. I might even need to set aside my own story. Yeah. Because their story is not my story. And what God wants to say to them might not be what God said to me. Yeah. And that's a trap right there yeah. um, to, to do that empathy thing too much or to, oh, I know how, just how you feel. In other conversations, that might be the right thing to do, but not in group spiritual direction. Yeah. So in the silence, God, what do I need to set aside in order to be fully present to this person? Is there anything that you want to, me to offer this person out of my prayer? And uh, then to be really, you know, brave and willing to do that. Willing to not speak if God hasn't given you anything, yep. which feels vulnerable. Yep. Willing to speak and offer that person what you have if God's given you something. So you already shared an experience like mm -hmm. that where God gave you a picture. And so you gave, you offered that to the person not knowing what it meant, not knowing if it was relevant at all. Yep. You found out that it was, but you had to take a risk mm -hmm. in order to do that. Yeah. So we're willing to take that risk. Yeah. Um, so after that silence is over, then there's the time for spiritual companioning. That's what I call it, companioning with words. And so here you can offer the word or you can offer the picture or the image or what you heard the Holy Spirit praying on behalf of that person. It does not devolve into a conversation, right. though. Right. So the, you don't get into a conversation with the person. The person is just receiving what they're being given um, and they'll work with it. You know, they can work with it later. Then if, if you have time, I do suggest one more silence and it's a shorter silence, but in that silence that the group holds that person in God's presence and that person receives what they've been given. And I actually, when I facilitate groups like this, I will encourage the person who's just received to claim what they've received that feels like it is from God and to feel very free to let go of what doesn't feel like it was from God. And that's a really important moment for the person who's received um, because they can receive what appears to have come from God. They can let go of what doesn't seem to have come from God. And in that way, it's light. That is so good. And again, I just, you said light, but it, it it's, and I've experienced this yeah. in, in the transforming community mm -hmm. that I was in. And that is what I experienced. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, yeah. and we did just exactly those movements. Someone mm -hmm. would share and there was a timer, actually. Mm -hmm. Someone sort of had a timer, which that also feels safe because yeah. you, you sort of know mm -hmm. no one's going to dominate. Right. You also know if you don't have all that much to share, that there's a limit mm -hmm. to that. And then there was silence. And then very gently people would share what they mm -hmm. felt like might be from the spirit. And then there was some more time. Mm -hmm. And then we just moved on to the yeah. next person. Yeah. And it was like, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think we held, like if it was our turn to speak, mm -hmm. we held a certain a cross. Yeah, we had a palm cross a that palm we cross that was invited you to helpful. hold if you'd like. Like a talking stick, like the African talking stick, yep. where we, if you're the one holding it, it means you're the one talking. Yep. Yep. So um, I, I have experienced this to be very helpful and also not that complicated. Right. And very relieving yeah. of the stress. Yeah. I think that for certain types, um, the, the 
the being in a small group where a whole lot is required of you. Like one of the things when, when we first start, we do it in steps. And the first couple of times, we don't even let people talk back right, to each right, other. Yep. We want them to experience what it is to just be silent. And they would, when I when we would debrief it afterwards, they would say it was such a relief yeah. to just get to hear that person and not think that I had to do anything or bring anything or be that person's savior or anything like that. And then other people would share. It was such a relief to know that nobody was going to rush in, yeah. that I could just share and nobody was going to rush in with advice or stupid comments or trite, uh, spiritual, overly spiritualized phrases. There was relief on both sides. It became actually a very restful way to be together. This to me also reveal. I'm going to be a little, I don't think it's cynical. I think it's critical in, in, mm-hmm. in, in, in a good way. Um, most of the time we structure groups to be about content consumption mm-hmm. and answering questions. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're all in our head and everyone's worried about saying the mm-hmm. right thing or digesting yeah. the right thing or impressing someone else or even reading the chapter, mm-hmm. which half of us haven't done. Mm-hmm. And we feel bad about mm-hmm. that anyway. You were and, reading it while you yeah. were driving. Yeah, exactly. I've done this. Like, <laughs> that's how I know. <laughs> and, and I want to be careful. That's yeah. not bad. Like those right. groups can be positive mm-hmm. and good. Th- those groups can be awesome. They're not um, spiritual listening groups, mm-hmm. though. Right. Those, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. Which is why it's so important to name some of the other groups and their functions yeah. so we know exactly what we're what we're club. there to do. Yeah, this is a Bible club. study, so yeah. expect to do that, you know? Yeah. Don't expect to yeah. do this, expect to do that. Right. Okay, well, this I want to say, uh, and we'll put it on the show notes too, but this is right in your book, mm-hmm. um, and it's in Chapter 3, mm-hmm. I believe, so all these movements. Yep. And so uh, if you're sort of trying to take notes mm-hmm. or, you know, just settle down um, by the book, and uh, this is a really helpful mm-hmm. resource. So thank you, Ruth. We are going to end with the prayer that you end this chapter with. So um, thank you so much for leading us through that. It's nice to have a way sometimes to pray into the kind of realities that we're talking about here because it helps us. It helps us to enter in. And so this is a prayer that I we pray very often in the Transforming Center, especially in our leadership environment. And so I share it with you. So if you're not driving and you have the ability to stop for a moment and open your hands and breathe and be quiet, uh, take this prayer in. Let it express your desire and your intent as it has to do with companioning others. Lord, we gather together today as openly and as honestly as we are presently able. For these moments that are sanctified for listening in community May we be blessed to know the goodness of godly company, the pace of grace leading us gently, and the life of your refreshing spirit hovering over the face of the waters of our lives, ready and willing to bring forth new life, even in the formless and void places of our hearts and communities. Enable us to trust your spirit among us as we are present to you on behalf of one another, for we are gathered in your strong name, and in your presence, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts out there, and we're grateful that you've spent the last 30 minutes with us. Thanks, Steve, for such great questions and for taking that step of faith to join a transforming community so long ago in 2011. If you're a pastor or a leader who would like to connect your soul with your leadership, please do consider this an invitation to learn more about the Transforming Community, a two-year experience of spiritual formation for leaders. 
Our experience is grounded in scripture. It is animated by a Trinitarian approach to transformation and community, and it's informed by the richness and diversity of our Christian heritage. If you'd like to learn more, do visit us at transformingcenter.org.